Chiefs Kingdom, and welcome to the Arrowhead Kingdom Chiefs cast, live from the Wolf Den. I'm Chris. And I'm Josh, and today we're going to be talking about apparently a new stadium location. Uh, big reminder that all Chiefs fans are invited to join us for game day. Visit arrowheadkingdom.org to learn more about the group and to find your local chapter. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. All right, today about your Kansas City Chiefs, we're going to be talking a little bit about stadium move, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this might be much ado about nothing, but this is what uh, qualifies for news in the NFL these days. We are, of course, presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting, and coordination services. Visit them at completewedo.com. All right, so Chris, the uh, news that is causing ripples in the uh, chiefs news space i don't think that normal people that watch the nfl really have any kind of clue that this is coming up which is probably an indication of really what we're getting into but there's not a whole lot else going on right now so uh let's let's talk about the rumors and this came from an official statement from mark donovan right yeah he mentioned it yep Yep. So essentially what Mark Donovan said is that he's been approached by developers for um, a potential space for a stadium in Kansas city. And have you seen anything that really elaborates where they might be talking about, or is it just in Kansas? And that's really the, the, the trigger word. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I've, I've heard that it's very vague at this point, but um, yeah, uh, the Kansas side has been mentioned um, as far as I know, but I mean, the lease of Arrowhead is up in nine years. And I mean, this actually probably is the right time to start this conversation. Um, I don't, I don't think they would move if they do before 2031, but um, it, it's something that I've been hearing about really I wouldn't say I've actually heard anything about it. It's just, you know, some of the voices that I listen to on the radio, you know, they at least mention it. They say, don't be surprised if you hear about this. So let me, let me ask you this. Um, when the latest renovations happened, it was all in the Truman sports complex and the K renovations and the uh, Arrowhead renovations that all happened at the same time. Right. Was that all on one bill? Were you living in Kansas City when that went through? Yeah, I think Kaufman was a year ahead of Arrowhead. So Kaufman got done, I think, in 2009. Okay. Um, the beginning of 2009, and then Arrowhead got done right before the 2010 season. Okay, but was the funding bill addressing both at the same time or those two separate issues that they addressed? Oh, you know, I don't remember. Yeah, because – I I've never lived in Kansas city. I mean, I grew up in Hayes. I've lived in Denver. I've lived in Wisconsin and a, a handful of other places in really short um, periods of time, but I've always been close enough and understood what was happening. And <clears throat> what I recall when that whole thing came up was the uh, funding bill was for everything in joint, but the moving parts were, is Kaufman going to stay or is it going to move downtown? And so that was one of the big decisions that had to be made. And then the next thing was, are you going to renovate Arrowhead? Are you going to tear it down and build something new? Or are you going to renovate Arrowhead and, and put a, a, a roof over the top of it? Um, am I remembering, am I remembering that 
incorrectly or did I kind of sitting on the outside sidelines get all those details from a high level roughly right? No, I remember that plan. Um, yeah, it was a shared, I guess, moving roof for both stadiums. Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, that was that may have been about 20 years ago, I think, when that was at least proposed. Okay, but it um, it would have come to fruition sometime in the 2002 to 2008 kind of time frame, and then it ended up doing the work, right? I, I think so, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, in other words, we're we're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 years, and essentially everything's changed and nothing's changed. So we're still we're still talking about the same thing, and the uh, factors that remain are, you know, twofold from my perspective. It's uh, one is the Royals' home where it should be, and two is Kansas City going to do anything to put the chiefs on the list for potentially hosting a super bowl can we agree that those are roughly the issues that we're trying to solve Uh, yes and i i would also add hosting the final four as well okay yep fair enough fair enough i mean that's obviously never happened in an open stadium and um the final four has uh really not been in a basketball arena in, in many years right well, you know, I can't remember the last time the Final Four was held in Kansas City. I think, I mean, the most recent time I can remember is in 1988 at Kemper. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think until this weekend, Kansas City has still hosted the most Final Fours, but New Orleans is going to tie Kansas City this weekend. Yep, but really for the last 20 to 30 years, they've been doing it in football arenas, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and this really just comes down to simple economics. I mean, a basketball stadium takes up maybe 25% of a football field and the rest of the football field becomes seating. And then you also get the uh, rest of the seating for for the football stadium. So you pack as many people in as possible. Yeah, I mean, you're never gonna see a Final Four held anything smaller than a football stadium again. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we can we can sit here and, and and talk about how much we like or dislike this uh, situation. I mean, it, it seems to me like it's kind of a reality that um, you know football stadiums, where every owner in the NFL, for that matter, is kind of looking at forward thinking. I don't I don't want to say that they're completely abandoning anything of tradition, but they're looking for places that are Super Bowl ready that can hold um events pretty much at the drop of a hat and and, and it could be the biggest ufc fighter boxing match for pay-per-view it can be a final four it can be any of that and that's really where the nfl is looking and what i think is interesting about this is everybody's um you know getting getting riled up about the situation but i agree with the comment you made earlier that nine years before a lease ends is when you start these conversations and i mean literally speaking when you're talking about billion dollar projects i mean those things don't happen in a short period of time which means that none of this is getting decided in a week so we can all maybe calm down a little bit from that perspective but um you know it also means you you have to start these conversations and just uh you have to 
think about this with the expectation that the NFL is going to keep growing at the rate that it is and that um, football is going to be nine years bigger than it is right now and and just recognize things like the Buffalo Bills are getting ready to build a new stadium. So that's really where all this is coming from. And, and I don't even think that that means that anybody from the Chiefs organization is trying to necessarily even put the Missouri residents on notice. It's just, uh, you know, hey, somebody made this phone call and we picked it up. And I don't even think there's anything wrong with that. Oh, not at all. And, you know, it's interesting with the NFL, you know, while, yes, the, I would say the fanship has increased in size, you can also look at it in a sense that Arrowhead might be a little oversized. I mean, it feels weird to say because it's sold out every week, but I think, I, I think they are in the top five, if not the top three, as far as capacity goes. In I want to say it's three. Yeah. And, you know, when, I mean, you already see this in the club level and people complain all the time about the club level, about how empty those seats look. It's because there's suites up there. You have the opportunity to not have to sit outside in, you know, inclement weather or really just outside period. And I think as a lot of fans are finding i mean it's it's not cheap to go to a game it's not cheap to pay for concessions and there's almost kind of a an internal battle in the nfl between you know people going to games and preferring to watch them because of that so you know it might not it might be something behind the fact that and, you know, i mean kind of sporting kansas city kind of did this i mean you know, when they were the Wizards, when they started off, they were playing at Arrowhead, but they were only filling it up to, what, 10,000 a, a match. So they end up going out and building Children's Mercy. And that's, you know, much more accommodating and easier place to fill. Um, you know, with the Chiefs, maybe they, they look at shrinking their capacity down to 70,000 or something like that. But that that's another thing that, you know, you wouldn't get by keeping it where it is and Truman sports complex in the likelihood. Yeah. And a couple comments that I'll make with that. So first of all, I, I pulled up the list. So uh, capacity for NFL, and this is before they do any expansion type of stuff, um, <clears throat> which I'll point out. So um, MetLife is 82.5, which is where the giants and jets play um, FedEx, where the uh, commanders play Washington football team, so forth is 82 uh lambeau field where the packers play their latest expansion got them to 81 4 and uh at&t where the uh, uh cowboys play they hosted a hundred thousand for the super bowl they hosted in 2011 but their capacity is 80 before they put that in and mm -hmm. so after that um gaya field at arrowhead stadium or gha i think is a proper way to say that is uh 76 416 and then empower field at mile high or mile high stadium is 76 125 so of course we had to do that in uh expansion and make sure that we we're a little bit bigger than our than our rivals so um yes. so that's that's the commentary there when you look at some of the other stadiums that have gone the other way um so soldier field is 61 five and that's after them building that bigger. And so that's the smallest the oldest one right stadium now. In the NFL right now, but yeah. 
Exactly. And, and so that's uh, the one thing that I'll say about Soldier Field is they're actively trying to put something out in the suburbs. Um, so State Farm in Glendale, Arizona, where the uh, Cardinals play is 63-4. Um, Ford Field is 65, which is where the uh, Lions play. But the one that I think is really, really noticeable is Allegiant Stadium, which is brand new, is 65-5 or 65 even. So the uh, Raiders built a new stadium and consciously and will be holding a Super Bowl and, and everything else they want to do because they're in Vegas, one at 65. So I think that that really speaks to the comment you're making about do you want to have packed and, and a waiting list or do you want to get as many people in as possible? And so that's a philosophical thing that I think we're kind of working yeah. with. Um, thing that I think is interesting about Children's Mercy is that stadium, the way I understand it, was built to the point where you could rip the roof off and uh, put a second level on there anytime you wanted to. And if you if you look at the big way that um, European soccer stadiums operate, they'll always have one um, section on one of the goal lines and they'll always call that the uh, supporter stands. And it's normally a you're going to walk a mile up a single level of stairs if you want to um so you don't have the uh divided levels so it's this it's this big expansive thing and i mean all the the newest soccer stadiums that are being built have that so children's mercy could do that but you make you make a really good point and it's that you try to make the ticket that you're selling be as attractive as possible and having fewer of them is the easiest way to do that and um you know you're you also uh knocked it out of the park and you make the comment the tv product's gotten great <laughs> it has yeah. yeah it's you know it's it's just one of those things i mean and i don't know what's going to happen in 10 years if you know more people would rather go to games than to watch it at home but i think there are some you know just like you pointed out in vegas and, and all these other newer stadiums i think they're you know they're under the belief that maybe better to go with you know a smaller capacity yeah 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 so that at least leaves the possibility for it if they if they do move away from truman yep yep so i was uh making comments on the board for one of my arrowhead one columns today and um something came up about that and a lot of it was just based on chiefs being in the the news or not and so you could look at this as the NFL does a better job than really entity, any entity in the world of keeping itself relevant and keeping itself 365 because mm -hmm. there's always something going on. And right now with the Chiefs, I mean, it seems like the dust is settled on the uh, big, splashy free agent type of stuff. I mean, the only real rumor kind of floating around is that DK Metcalf could be a potential trade. I don't see that happening. First of all, the Seahawks aren't moving Not him. Yeah. Second of all, we're not getting rid of Tyree Kill's cap hit to take one on that's the exact same. And then third of all, why would DK Metcalf, you know, take a move that wouldn't have a, a at or above level extension that Hill just took? And, you know, if we wanted to do that, we could have just signed the guy that we already had. So that's probably not happening, which means that there's nothing really happening until the draft. Um, I think we have a couple weeks before we start really getting into what we think is going to happen on the draft. So this is our news. <laughs> and so let me ask you this, because I, I certainly have some thoughts on this. Um, football stadiums, 
basketball arenas, hockey arenas, and um, NFL NFL stadiums, baseball parks, all of those things. So think of the four major sports. Um, mm-hmm. Take a city, assume that it's going to be at the very minimum three venues. It could potentially be a fourth one. Um, geographically speaking, just think of any any X city. Where would you put those? four stadiums or three stadiums? Well, um, I think your hockey slash basketball arena, uh, you know, makes sense to have it, you know, downtown or close to it. I think, you know, we're, is it T-Mobile now? It's not Sprint Center anymore. I think that's in a perfect location. Um, For baseball, you know, I don't know. I've, you know, I've lived in Chicago, so I've, I've seen where Wrigley Field is located. Wrigley Field's not right downtown, but it's still in the city. Um, and I have been to the old Bush Stadium, um, which, you know, I thought was, you know, it's, it, it is located downtown, and I actually didn't find anything, I don't know, weird about it. I guess it all depends on, you know, with with baseball, I think it's getting harder and harder to try and and draw like a consistent fan base right now, especially with the way the game's going. So trying to bring in some other attraction or at least um, enticing thing is, hey, this is located only, you know, five blocks away from famous Arthur Bryant's, you know, or it's only located five blocks away from the Kauffman Center, you know. I'm, I think, you know, in the Royals case right now, yeah, if they win, people will come. But for a small market team like them, it's hard to sustain that type of success and to keep drawing those type of crowds in the location where, you know, Kaufman is. I mean, it's, it's a good 20 minutes east of downtown. You know, it's, it is on I-70, but it's, it's not close to the city. Um, so for me, I would probably put the baseball stadium in the city as well. And then with the, the football stadium, I mean, this is more biased on my part just because, um, you know, I grew up with tailgating outside of Arrowhead, but I think that would probably be something more rural just because, you know, the NFL is only eight games a year. Um, I think people are probably more likely to invest in season tickets because of the popularity and because there's less games, but then also, you know, a lot of people do like to make an event of the entire day and they like to tailgate. So I don't think putting a football stadium in a place downtown where you you might not have as much um, parking lot space to tailgate would make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I'm a thousand percent in line and, uh, you know, obviously I don't, I don't think we've ever talked about this before. Mm. Um, we've known each other for a long time. We've talked about a long thing, but a a lot of things, but I don't think we've ever really gotten into this. And I, I completely agree with you. Um, you know, football is an event and a lot of that's based on forget about how many home and away games you have. There's 16 regular season games per team. It's 17 weeks. Well, now it's 17 and 18. But that's uh, that that that's the shortest season of any of them. You yeah, know, most with, of the time uh, it's on the weekend. 
Exactly. It, and it's always on the weekend, you know, um, or Monday, which is a weekend you make mm-hmm. or Thursday, which is you start your weekend early. You know, I mean, yeah. you don't yeah, have games on yeah. Wednesday night. You don't have games on Tuesday night. Uh, NBA and, and uh, NHL, those are 82 game seasons. And I mean, I've I've lived next to arenas for all these places. And I mean, it's uh, it's an experience and it's an event to go to an NBA or an NHL game. But one thing that I'll point out as a difference is, I mean, LeBron James is the the attraction in NBA and he's been a durable player over his uh, career, but you still have him and other superstars that just take a night off. And that's just the thing. I mean, you don't have NFL players just take a day off. You know, and you don't have people calling into radio shows going, I bought these tickets and I tried to take my son to see blah, blah, blah. No, I mean, that, that just doesn't happen. I mean, they're either hurt or they're mm-hmm. not. And uh, that's not me throwing any shade at hockey and basketball players for taking some rest because 82 games is a long season. Um, they do which, the same thing in baseball and they've done it in baseball for you know, exactly. several decades. Which, which is why Cal Ripken yeah. was an actual record and something to pay attention yes. to. That's 162 yeah. games and it's like, there's only so many times you can get up for fanfare. And I mean, go to a playoff baseball game versus a regular season game. That's not the first series of the, the season. And, and it's just, uh, hey, everybody, welcome to the ballpark. We're going to go ahead and get started. Um, season ticket holder is going to throw the first pitch out. And they have some like random person come out and throw out the first pitch. I mean, with, with the uh, NFL or NASCAR for that matter, I mean, they have a concert before every single one of these because it's, it's just a smaller event, you know, and, it, and it's smaller. And the NFL has done a great job of, of creating demand, you know, low supply and high demand. So um, I agree with you, you know, it's, it's an event and you need to have space. And I think the most unfortunate football stadiums are the ones that are downtown because you take some of that away. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to some like random ass bar in some downtown city. You know, I've been to a Colts game. Um, it, it, it's fun before there, but it's not like tailgating at Arrowhead. And it's just not. Um, yeah. Then you go to Lambeau and it's a small town that has nothing going on during the week. And then suddenly they're hosting a nationally televised game. And it's just crazy. It's, it's just the level of fanfare that, that's just there. But, um, you know, with, uh, with baseball, I think you have to be something that fits into people's, you know, night and you have to be accommodating that, uh, you, you can walk in in the second and third inning. Cause that that's just how you do it. You know? Well, and you think about, you know, the groups that tailgate together. I mean, in baseball, I think your season ticket holders are probably smaller groups. It's probably just maybe two to four people at the most, maybe. Sure. That sure. would go to, you know, it could be 20, 40 or 82 game or 81 games. But, you know, in football, I mean, you've got even if even if you're not season ticket holders with somebody, you probably have a group of people like various groups of people are season ticket holders that like to tailgate together. Um, but, yeah, I can't count how many times I've gone to Kaufman at 645, you know, and the only thing I could care about is um, hearing you know, the opening lineup and, and seeing the first pitch. And, you know, I, I don't have, you know, the only times I've tailgated at Kaufman is if I went with a big group of people, like it's, it's yep. and that is very rare. Well, exactly. And I mean, there's three stadiums that I think of when you think of tailgating for a baseball game. Um, 
I'll, I'll be fair and add a fourth one. The White Sox have a good parking lot that's easy they to do. get to. But realistically speaking, when you're thinking of tailgating, it's the Phillies, the Brewers, and the Royals. And, and I mean, I've been all over the, the country. I mean, those are the places that tailgate. And uh, I mean, I, I think the Brewers put everybody to shame. The Royals are probably the second best. It's really kind of funny watching the Phillies talk about how Phillies fans talk about how good they are at tailgating. It's hilarious, actually, um, being from the Midwest. But realistically speaking, um, the, the D2 college football stadium that I went to when I was going to college at Fort Hayes State, tailgated as well as baseball stadiums <laughs> yeah mine too and mine was a highly successful football program well yeah. exactly i mean i'm sure yours blows yeah. away every football or every baseball stadium you know <laughs> and probably some d1s going to northwest missouri state which those bastards just won like what the fourth out of five and in, in ncaa division two basketball titles yeah, they won their third straight. They, you know, it's not truly because of the COVID year, but yeah, they won the last three yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Division two basketball titles. It's like four out of five. So yeah, um, yeah, I Insane. mean, Bearcats have some athletic departments going on and uh, I don't know, apparently they put yeah. out people that know stuff too. So uh, way, way to go Northwest <laughs> Missouri State. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, so I, I don't know, my 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 reaction is i don't know why money was spent on on renovating kaufman i I think that stadium should have been moved downtown a long time ago or to uh someplace more in in an urban area and you know the, the whole thing needs to be be in a place that's accessible i mean best example i i don't know if you've ever been to tampa and if you've ever driven to St. Petersburg by where the by where the Rays Stadium is, but that place is like the most difficult spot in the oh, world yeah. to get to, and all the locals know it. And the situation they put themselves into is you have Tampa and St. Petersburg, and stuff like this drives me nuts because I I cannot stand the uh, like municipality nationalism for lack of better terminology acting like that's two different cities it's not it's ridiculous it, it, it's yeah. the dumbest thing in the world i i say stuff like this all the time my wife gets pissed at me all the time because i say that the bay area is a city oakland is the uh, crappy part san jose is the blue collar part and san francisco is a posh part that's one city just <laughs> stop it quit acting like that's three different geographical places they have three airports which is irrelevant pick the ones cheapest fly into it it's a bitch to drive around the entire area. Just get it done, you know, go do what you're going to do. And I, I really don't care what anybody that lives in the middle part of California thinks about that comment. It, it's true. It's true in my mind. Um, Dallas and Fort Worth, I guess, is kind of two different cities. Minneapolis and St. Paul are kind of two different cities. You're just people that couldn't figure out how to make an interstate system work. But it's a big metro area. Everybody mm-hmm. that lives in those areas does stuff in both of them. So just stop it. Just stop it. Just figure it out you know like the idea of uh the oakland days not being able to build a, a stadium in san jose because of tv rides is, is the most ridiculous thing in the world to me and i really think that entire you know megaplex deserves to lose that team to uh oakland or to uh las vegas similar to the raiders it's just get out of your own way you know and uh that's uh that's kind of kind of where I was with uh with the Royals. It's like, you know, that it, it it's a pain to get out to the the Truman Sports Complex. There's something awesome about sitting in line at six o'clock in the morning, getting ready to tailgate for a noon Chiefs game. It's all part of the experience, you know. 
There is nothing fun or interesting about that for a Royals game. And after the game, you have nothing to do but sit in traffic and go home. I mean, what are you going to do after that? There, I mean, you're you're a mile and a half away from a grocery store if you need to stop and pick up beer before you walk in the parking lot. You know, it, it's just it's ridiculous. Um, you know, yeah, the horrible... Taco Bell and the Denny's. That's about it. Yeah, you have horrible hotels and 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 even worse fast food restaurants and a gas station. I mean, it's just it's dumb. Yeah. You know, the only the only place, and I truly believe this, that gets out of a highly populated area that does this even remotely close to correctly is Philadelphia. And they have their basketball hockey arena, their football stadium and their baseball park all in one spot. There's a train that goes to it, but they have a thing called Xfinity live, which is a pre and post game party. You can go and pay stadium prices for a beer, but you're still out there and it's exciting. And they make this entire like a uh, complex. That is the only place that does that correctly. And when you're when you're talking about things that aren't that, I mean, you mentioned the Chicago one. So, yeah, neither the Cubs or the White Sox play downtown, but there's one three dollar subway line that runs between the two of them that you can get to from anywhere in the city. And Wrigleyville is awesome. That is elite level after game, you know, partying and stuff like that. The uh, the White Sox stadium has nothing around it, but the stadium's cool and the tickets are cheap so well yeah and you can you can stay i mean we've stayed in the loop to go mm-hmm. down to whatever it's called now u.s cellular and it's you know, it's like a 10 it's a about a 10 to 15 minute l ride you know down the yeah. red line it's not yeah. bad at all exactly just uh get yeah. off three stops before to have your pregame and your food yep pretty much fine um you know the other place that i think has something going on is the brewers um I, have, I really think they, you know, they kind of have it right in the middle of where Kaufman and let's say a downtown stadium is um, because they're close enough to the city. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's less than 10 minutes away and there's plenty of stuff around. Um, but more you know, than anything in that part of Milwaukee. So yeah, there are 200 bars that yep. have a free shuttle to Miller park. Yep. And you can drink a beer in a plastic cup on the way in the shuttle. And I can walk the three of them from my house. Mm-hmm. That works. I mean, you have a secondary plan, but, it, but, it, but it's just, you know, expecting people to drive way out of their way, like the Braves or like the, uh, the, the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, it just, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So, you know, I don't want to see Truman sports complex lose anything by any means, but the Royals should be playing downtown. They just should. They just should. I mean, and I think they will. I think that was part of the, uh, the attraction for John Sherman and his, you know, his ownership group. And I think, I think they're going to be very motivated to do it. Yep. So my ideal situation for the, the chiefs is they figure out a way to put a retractable roof that doesn't take away from the soul of Arrowhead that can be open at any time that it needs to. And I understand I'm, I'm possibly chasing a unicorn, but I would love to have Arrowhead to the point where you could put a roof on top of it when you needed to, and you can make it be exactly what it is when you don't and uh, kind of go from there. But I would rather have a Super Bowl there and be able to host final fours and stuff like that and just have Kansas city be that 
spot that's talked about when those things happen and Mm -hmm. possibly give a little bit of that away you know that that's where i'm at um i think it would be great for him to stay in the uh, truman sports complex i think that's cool but at the same time i gotta say i'm a kansas guy throw that shit out by the legends you know put it right on the west side of the uh racetrack and share the parking lot and uh play over by the t-bones and sporting kansas city yeah well, they're the Monarchs now. Really? Yeah. Nice. The T-Bones rebrand themselves as the Monarchs. Yeah, this is like a year I like ago. That. Yeah, so it's awesome. Okay. But but no, I mean, I think that Legends area is great. Throw that out there mm-hmm. and you keep every single bit of the uh, tailgating and all the spirit after everybody's mad for a year, you know? And you would have a lot of people, you know, rage about that. And, uh, you know, I, I can make every argument about why I like Kansas more than Missouri. Because <laughs> that's the place I grew up and everything, but it, it, it's just this needs to be taken seriously. And you know, the Truman Sports Complex area, whoever governs all that, Jackson County—I I don't know. I don't. I don't care about the politics of stuff like this. And I'll be the first to, to say, like, the taxes that I enjoy paying are the ones that put nice stadiums for teams that I like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're you're you'll never hear me complaining about the uh, five county tax for the Brewers Stadium it's just yeah send me a bill and i'll i'll give you a hundred dollar bill for it you know or for nicer form yeah exactly i mean that stuff doesn't bother me i I don't get upset about people that are bothered by it thinking that that's not what the taxpayers are supposed to do but i'm a taxpayer and i i want to pay for that it's fine Mm -hmm. (laughs) so anyway um yeah i mean i really think this is all much ado about nothing i really don't think that either of those teams are you know, going to do anything that's going to, um, you know, really throw anything off, but uh, yeah. So I I think that they will play out the release. I mean, this is not something that's going to happen this decade. So, you know, just, just get used to the the topic. It's going to come up periodically. Um, Everyone's entitled to their opinion. by all means but but it's it's definitely not going to go away yeah yeah exactly and again i don't think that the chiefs are going to go and do wrong by the city by any means so um you know hope to be uh hope to be proven right in that uh in that scenario so and really playing out most of your lease and giving um the uh truman sports complex area every opportunity to retain what they have within reason i think is uh the way to go Mm -hmm. so all right. Um, so moving along, not get too long winded. Uh, you know, we figure out ways to uh, drag any of these topics out. Um, I don't think we can get out of here without talking about the basketball tournament. <laughs> so yeah. how, are, how are you enjoying watching the Jayhawks? <laughs> oh, it's, it's been interesting. Um, you know, at least the second round through the sweet 16 was, you know, the, the Creighton and Providence games were definitely hard on the eyes, but they, they grinded them out. But, I mean, the second half of the, the uh, game against Miami, I think, is the best half of basketball I've seen any Kansas team play in a very long time. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was one of those, you know, the whole first half, I just thought, okay, you know, hopefully they can, they can grind out some close win at the end or, you know, this is going to be another – Elite Eight letdown, but they just came out of the the locker room the second half and just dropped a can of whoop ass. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was one of those things where, um, yeah, you know, I'm sitting there in, in the United center watching that. And, uh, <clears throat> it was like halfway through the second half. And I look at the guy that was sitting next to him. Like, I don't think Miami scored more than 10 or 15 points this entire half, you know, <laughs> and it was just, uh, the defense locked down. It was just over, just over. And, 47 to 15. That's that was a difference in the second half. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, definitely, definitely fun to watch. So, uh, what what do you think of their chances against Villanova? I think they're good, but you know, Villanova's Villanova's so salty. Um, you know, this is a team. It's not like your Villanova's that you've seen the last five years, where you've just got you know, I would say a lot of guard play, like dynamic guard play, especially from the outside. I think, you know, especially given the short rotation that Jay Wright's played this year, and then you've got, um, I'm going to forget the kid's name. I think it's Moore ended up popping his Achilles in that last game. Uh, I th- and they've already been doing this. I mean, if you watch them play um, against Houston and they were saying this constantly, Villanova, I think, averages – uh, one of the longest, you know, like seconds per possession in the nation. So I, I definitely see them trying to limit the amount of possessions in this game and really try and drag it out and slow it down. Um, it's just going to come down to, you know, offensive efficiency and and not not getting too anxious. And I, I, I think Kansas should win this game and the opportunity is there, but I mean – it's, it's kind of hard to just think that Jay Wright and, and Villanova are just, you know, going to just be walked over for sure. Yeah, I, I guess my, uh, my optimism is, you know, like you said, um, Villanova has a stout offensive team. And Kansas, when they're doing what they're supposed to, does stuff like hold Miami to 15 points in the second half. So, mm. you know, you have uh, you have something Villanova is really good at versus something Kansas is really good at. And I've never gotten the impression that Kansas has to possess the ball the entire game and just, you know, run and gun. It's not like some of the Roy Williams teams of the 90s where they're going to no, own every inch of the uh, court and, and, and stuff. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think this uh, fits out well. My prediction is next week we're going to be talking about how Kansas and Duke played in a final again, and uh, this time it went our favor. <laughs> I hope so. I hope that's, so. I, that's where I'm at. I, I think this this Kansas team can play in so many different ways. Yep. So I'm not as worried about you know a team like Villanova, whereas I, I might have been with other teams in the past. And yeah, this is a team that's very good at knowing when to run and, and knowing when not to. So I, I do feel confident going to Saturday. And play the player of the tournament so far, Remy Martin is finally yeah. the dude we were supposed to be getting all season, which is fine. Well, and a guy the whole like season him, off, you're going to play like this now. <laughs> well, and the guy like him allows you to play low possession games because he can create his own shot with the shot clock going yep. down. So it really gives him a big advantage there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, final takes. What uh, what do you got? I'm I'm guessing that's something to do with your background. Oh uh, yeah. So um, 
this is this is one of my favorite songs by the Foo Fighters. Um, it's called "A Cold Day in the Sun." Um, just to, to kind of read off some of the lyrics here, you know, you're so afraid that you're the only one. You're the only one. You know, don't be afraid because you're not the only one. You're not the only one I know. It's your cold day in the sun. Um, this song is on the In Your Honor record, if you're familiar with it, on, on the second disc, which is very acoustic and, and slow. But this song was actually written and sung by the Foo Fighters drummer, the late Taylor Hawkins. Um, if, you, if you haven't seen any of the live versions of it, I suggest you know, YouTubing it. There's a brilliant one on when they were on Letterman, but, um, uh, you know, I have a heavy heart right now just because, I mean, he's only 50 years old and we lost Taylor Hawkins last weekend. And, you know, I don't know, really just the, the impact of, of what he has on the band and I think on music. I mean, I always said that if you're the drummer on the same band as Dave Grohl, you, you have to be really damn good because Dave Grohl in his own respect is one of the best of all time. And he was certainly that. And, you know, from what I heard, he was a really good dude, really approachable dude. And I mean, it's just amazing the the music that the, that the Foo Fighters have come out with. And I always say like, they're one of the few rock bands that still exist, but they also don't sound like they've they're dated in any way. I mean, they they continue to put out music. I think that sounds, you know, in a way current, but also it still maintains their style. Um, but a lot of that was because of of Taylor. I mean, he was the true heartbeat of the band, and it's just you know, it, was, it was a shocking loss when I heard it on on Saturday morning. And, and um, yeah, I. I'm gonna miss, gonna miss seeing him be in the band. Gonna miss the band a lot. It was just, it was, it was tough. Um, it's just fifty years is, is just way too young. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, <clears throat> Foo Fighters, timely and timeless. And the only other guy that I can think of, you know, entity that's uh, done something close to what they've done is if you think of Paul McCartney, the the Beatles, Wings, his you know solo stuff it's like uh it's what music supposed to sound like anytime he puts it out and regardless if you're listening to the Foo Fighters first self-titled album or the newest stuff they put out it's just it's good you know so yeah, which the, the self-titled album is just Dave Grohl by the way that's it's literally a solo album by Dave Grohl yeah yeah so no it's uh good good stuff you know love the love the foo fighters and i'm i'm right there with you um now so my uh my final take um i will mention that uh i saw stuff about the oscars for the first time in about 10 or 15 years because i don't care about the oscars but uh cheers to uh will smith for making that something notable um but that being said um you know where i'm really going with this is uh hearing the thing about Bruce Willis and he was diagnosed with uh, what's it called a aphasia. Yeah. So basically he can't focus anymore, which means that he can't act and get into character. Ah, that that's horrible. 
Um, so, you know, we're in a situation where, I mean, we just suddenly lost the, the drummer from the Foo Fighters. Um, I feel like we're going to have a slow, you know, public loss of Bruce Willis, which sucks. And I mean, so the whole thing was just as sudden and that we're not going to get any more movies from him. So, yeah. you know, not, not, not to say that all the diehards are great by any means, but I, I wanted diehard six, you know, I just, I want to see what you do with the yeah, character. And stuff like my, so he looks like he could still do a diehard movie and he's 67 years old and he could, you know, he looks at it. I mean, I, I thought a good day to die hard was just a really stupid movie, but I went and saw it on Valentine's day. And it was my wife's idea. <laughs> um, and, and it was just cool that he, uh, you know, did it and everything, but um, yeah, that, that sucks that he's just, just done, you know? And I, I don't know. I wasn't ready for Bruce Willis to not be an action star anymore. So. Yeah. There's a really good article on NPR about, um, you know, him and, and just aphasia in general and where it gets, yeah. where it comes from. And um, if you have time and you're interested about it, I, I suggest uh, reading about reading it up on NPR. Yep. Didn't know anything about, um, what he's going through and didn't know anything about what Jada Pinka was going through before, you know, all that yeah. stuff. So I, you know, um, hope the best for both of, of those people and everything. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, well, uh, good night chiefs kingdom. We'll be back next week and hopefully have something more interesting to talk about than jumping the gun on the draft or where stadium should be located. <laughs> yeah. No more DK Metcalf time. But I bet we'll talk another hour. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, good night, Chiefs Kingdom. <laughs> Chiefs. <laughs>